Your journey of grief is confusing enough, but if you add in certain emotions, it makes it harder to distinguish what is grief and what isn't. Two of those emotions, which are kind of related to each other, are guilt and regret. If you feel at all guilty about something that you think you've done wrong to your loved one, it's hard to let go of the regret. And that regret almost feels like you're paying a penance for what you think you've done. Do not let the devil use these emotions against you to keep you from healing and from moving forward. Listen today as I share how guilt and regret almost cost the life of a man I knew and the importance of allowing the power of the cross to set you free from it. Hey friend, welcome to the Grief to Great Day podcast. Do you feel like you're going crazy? Is the shower the only place for you to really cry? Are you surrounded by people, but you still feel all alone? Do you want to be the you you were before your loved one died, but you have no idea how to get there? I'm Steph Cabanis, Southern by choice, wife, turtle triathlete, Jesus follower, and fellow traveler in the journey of grief. I too struggled to breathe, questioned God and my faith, and thought I would never be happy again. But God took my brokenness and he turned it into a breakthrough. So if you're ready to understand how to navigate grief, lean into your faith and take just one step towards healing, then bring your ugly cry, get into a comfortable place, even if that's your bed right now, and let the healing begin. Girl, there's hope for your future. Come on in the house and join me on that couch. I'm Steph and this is Grief to Great Day. Thanks for being here. I want you to always feel welcomed and heard through this podcast. Hello to everyone listening in Bolivia, our spotlight country, and in the U.S., Texas. You take over as the state with the most downloads this week. Grief to Great Day is now downloaded in over 90 countries. This tells me that there's a need to talk about grief and that it's felt throughout the world. So know that whatever country or state you are in, you're not alone. I know there are new listeners each week, so if that's you, welcome to the podcast you never wanted to need. I'm glad you're here because it tells me that you're taking the steps towards your healing. Now for you new listeners, if you hear me talk about Monica, her faith, or her death, and you want some background information, just go to my website, grief2greatday.com, and click on the book tab to read about the book, Dying to be Healed, which I wrote about Monica's faith journey throughout the last six months of her life. They were unreal, and her death changed me. She is the reason that you're listening to me today. In this podcast, we talk about understanding grief because it's not just being sad, how to get through the day, and growing your faith, even if you don't want to talk with God right now. So if you're just starting your journey, hear me and hear me clearly, life will change. It won't always hurt like this. I know that's not how it feels right now, but I promise you that is the truth. You are never going to stop missing your loved one, but you will be able to breathe, to laugh, and to live again. As you walk through grief, you know that your emotions are all over the place, that you experience feeling things you never have And it can be scary because you don't have a sense of control over much right now, or at least that's how it feels. 
the emotions are the loss of your loved one and all that encompasses. And remember, grief is a physical, emotional, and spiritual experience. But some of the emotions from your past can bubble up. (laughs) I say that like it's a nice little thing. But in all honesty, they can be daggone geysers. I've shared a little of my background and how it shaped how I viewed life, how I viewed God, and why I questioned everything. Today, I'm going to share someone else's story of what emotions from the past can do to add additional pain, confusion, and guilt to your grief walk. When I met Monica, she was going through a separation from her husband, Wayne. Wayne and Monica had been married for a little over a decade, and they owned a small sign shop. They had a great business, and Wayne, he was a visionary, always had these great ideas that he did nothing with. (laughs) He had a really good sense of humor, but it was usually at Monica's expense. She did all the work at the sign shop, and Wayne did a lot of the talking with the customers. He was a big guy with dark black hair, and most of the time he sported a beard. His dad was a highway patrolman, and his mom had died when he was young. Wayne was enjoyable to be around. He really was, but he was not a great husband. She did all the work. He spent all the money. (laughs) He was charismatic and a great storyteller, though also with great embellishment. He was domineering, and she quietly walked behind him every time I saw them together. He cheated on Monica while they were engaged, which she didn't even know until their honeymoon, And after 10 years of marriage, he began seeing someone 18 years his junior. My ex and I met both Wayne and Monica through my small business because I did graphic design. And they'd come over and use our copier or have me create something for him. Wayne was the one I ran into when I was going to the local community college looking for a place to stay. And he was the one that told me Monica might have a room to rent out. So before I begin bashing him at all... (laughs) I want to acknowledge that he was the tool God used. That was so funny for me to rent a room in Monica's small trailer for $100 all-inclusive a month. Their divorce was about as amicable as mine and my ex's. Now, he never threatened to kill her, but he did put her through the ringer financially and emotionally, and I watched as all that took place. I heard all the stories of their marriage from her perspective and I stopped seeing any redeeming qualities in him. Monica's life and personality were completely different after the divorce, and she was happy not to have contact with him. In September 1999, we had a hurricane named Dennis, which saturated the ground. Within a month from Dennis came Hurricane Floyd, which brought unprecedented flooding. Parts of our county were cut off from other parts, lives were lost, and it was shocking because we thought we were far enough inland not to have experienced what we did. Of course, hurricanes come at night, so we didn't see the trees down on the fence or the four feet of water standing in the backyard. The water literally came up a couple of feet from the back and the front doors, and we were so thankful that it didn't come any further. Well, it had been a few years since Wayne and Monica had communicated, but after the hurricane, he wrote her a letter. He said he hoped she was all right, And if there was anything he could do for her then or ever in the future, he would be there. All she'd have to do was call. Fast forward to spring 2009, and Monica has been given her prognosis and what she believed was her healing. 
She wanted to always be on the back porch to watch her birds and squirrels and visit with people, but she also wanted to see her healing verses, which she read daily. She told me she was going to call Wayne and have him letter the porch with her healing verses. I was shocked. Now, at this point, it had been like 15 years or more since they had seen each other, but she wanted to look up and she wanted to read her healing verses. She contacted him and Wayne came the next day. Again, I was shocked. We all sat on the porch and she told him what she wanted. He said it was no problem. Then he looked at me and for about an hour, while looking at me, shared most of the same stories about how he had wronged Monica as I had heard from her. Now remember, he embellished stories and he always looked good in his stories but not that day. The stories were exactly how she had shared them. He was crying by the end, and so was she. He apologized to her profusely and sincerely. I really can't describe the feeling on the porch that day, but I knew something profound had just happened, and there was great healing for Monica. Wayne had been married and divorced and was married again when he and his wife came, and they lived about an hour from where we were. I was not shocked, but tickled when I saw Wayne's wife up on the ladder doing all the work. She put all the verses around the top board on the porch. I think there was like 10 of them. It's tan boards and the Bible verses were in green letters. And it was ideal for Monica to be surrounded by them each time we were outside. Wayne continued to check on her through email and I called him when she died. The week before her service, is a blur, and I was surrounded by tasks and decisions and people, including some of Monica's family. Y'all know what an awful week that is, so I am so glad I don't remember the details of it. At the service, there were people who came up to me, and they were calming. There were people who came up and made it worse, and then there was Wayne. He was inconsolable, and his face, it was like shock and despair. I could not help him in that moment. I could hardly help myself. So thankfully, Trish went and talked to him so I wouldn't have to. In the weeks and months after Monica's death, I gained a new friend in Wayne. (laughs) I had a laugh at the irony of him coming to the house to talk about her. I didn't think I would like it, but I looked forward to him coming each time. On one of those visits, he shared a story. And that's pretty much the point of this whole episode. He shared a story that made me feel so sorry for him and at the same time have enough anger that I cussed at him. Remember I mentioned that Wayne's dad was a highway patrolman? Well, after his dad died, he kept his service revolver in his truck in a glove compartment between the driver's and the passenger seats. After the service was over, Wayne went to his truck and even though he had apologized to Monica, Even though there was forgiveness, even before he apologized, he still carried the guilt of all he had done wrong to Monica. He still loved her, and based on what I saw on the porch that day while they were talking, she still loved him too. So all the guilt and regret hit him hard on the day of the service. Anyway, he got into his truck, he opened the glove compartment, and had decided to grab the gun and shoot himself because he could not see a way out of how he was feeling in that moment, and he wanted to go to heaven to be with Monica. When he reached for the gun, it wasn't there. 
He said he could not explain why or where it had gone, but it was not there. What his hand found was the music CD that Monica had produced at the Gaither studio. He looked at it, and he knew that God had not only protected his life, but spoke to him in a way that nothing or no one else could have. I felt so bad for him, but I was also angry that he almost made that day about him losing his life rather than celebrating Monica's. In the few years after, I would stop by the sign shop when I had to travel past their town for work and had many conversations with him and his wife. See, Monica's faith had affected both of them, and that was a blessing. Wayne died shortly after that, and the year after he died, his wife died. He never got to read the book I wrote, but he was able to read a few chapters. The point I'm trying to make here is that guilt and regret will do nothing but harm you. Monica told Wayne that she forgave him years before he came to see her, but when he apologized, it opened the door for reconciliation. So Wayne had forgiveness from the person he hurt. He was given a chance for a new relationship, and he gave her one of the best gifts she had during her sickness, which was the verses on the porch. And none of that meant anything because he couldn't forgive himself. When we talked, I told him that God had forgiven him, so there was no need to carry that around. But in the moment after the service, the weight of all that was just too much to bear. And had the gun been there, he would have used it. Even over the years that we stayed in touch, he was different. He was melancholy at best. And he said that letting go of that guilt and that regret would have felt like he was off the hook for what he did to her. But he was off the hook, and he didn't even accept that. So the word of the week, do not remember the former things or ponder the things of the past. Listen carefully. I'm about to do a new thing. Now it will spring forth. Will you not be aware of it? I will even put a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. I know I've had regrets about Monica's sickness and death, a list too long to mention, but mainly around, you know, the caregiving and the healing aspect. But at some point, I had to let it go. And I had to forgive myself for what I thought I had done wrong. If I hadn't, I would have stayed stuck in those emotions, like Wayne did, instead of being able to move forward. So if you continue to rehearse anything and everything you think you did wrong, and I say anything you think you did wrong, because I really didn't do anything wrong (laughs) in the caregiving. I just never thought I did enough. I also didn't thwart her healing with my doubt, but in grief, the emotions are in turmoil and the negative thoughts come so much more easily. If you have asked God for forgiveness, then it's time to think about forgiving yourself. You are not meant to live in guilt or regret. These things They are used by the devil to pull you away from God. Plus, sins and guilt, regret and confusion, all the things that are not of God, these are the things that Jesus went to the cross for. So don't let that powerful act of love be for nothing in your life. Now, it may not feel like it right now, but if your hope, your certainty is found in God, there will be joy again, and you will have purpose in the life you're rebuilding. Every day is important. Every day is a fork in the road. It is in the daily grind of life 
that momentum and transformation occur. And by listening to this episode, it tells me you are doing the work of grief. And I know that's not easy. If you're ready to take another step towards your healing, there are more resources on my website, grief2greatday.com. Go check them out. I promise they will be helpful. And if you don't have a church home, you can visit my church, Open Door Church, all one word, dot com. So until next time, remember who holds your future. You are not alone and life will not always be like this. Keep on coming to the house, keep sitting on that couch, and keep taking those steps, however small, towards your healing. Thank you for being here today, for showing up. If this podcast has given you hope, encouragement, or helped you in any way, share it with a friend, either in a text or on your social platforms. Also, please subscribe, rate, and leave a written review on iTunes. It's a huge blessing for me to know that you're out there. Lastly, and this is important, you are not alone. Connect with me on the Grief to Great Day website, the link is below, and sign up for our free newsletters. I want to be able to pray for you by name. Remember, grief isn't something you're going to get over, but a great day is something you can get to.